Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the audio outreach ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. And then Romans 3.10, we'll read through 12. It says this, As it is written... None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Wow. It's kind of a bummer way to start, isn't it? Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for your word today. Uh, God, alert our hearts and our minds uh, to your divine truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It seems as though the last couple of weeks, uh, and I'm sure that you are all in the same boat, we've, we've asked ourselves the same questions over and over and over again. Uh, for me, these questions are why? Why? How? And who could do such a thing, right? And obviously I'm referring to the issue one that passed in the state of Ohio, allowing the right to abortion up to a fully developed child at nine months old, which is absolutely tragic. And not, not only was the passing of that tragic, though I was not surprised. It should have never been on the ballot anyway. The fact that made it that far uh, just, just showed us where we actually are. But not only did it pass, I saw people celebrating the passing of it in the same way as Hamas terrorists celebrated the beheading of Israeli infants. They celebrated this in the same way, dancing, shouting, lifting their arms in the air. People we know doing this. But why are we so shocked at this? I believe part of the reason that we have arrived at where we are is we as Christians live like people are mostly good. Right? We look at, we live next to, we share meals with, we work with unsaved people, and in our minds we say, oh, they're a pretty good person. When we see people as mostly good, we become complacent, idle, and pretty much ineffective. And that's how we got here. So I believe today we need to be reminded of the biblical truth about our world. This world that we have been saved from. 
because we have incorrectly diagnosed the world around us, so we have treated the disease wrong. We need a correct diagnosis because a correct diagnosis is half the cure. J.C. Ryle said, let us observe this. There are few things so little believed and realized as the corruption of the human nature. Men imagine that if they saw the perfect person, they would love and admire him. They flatter themselves that it is the inconsistency of professing Christians which they dislike and not their religion. They forget that when a really perfect man was on earth in the person of the Son of God, he was hated and put to death. The single fact goes far to prove the truth of Jonathan Edwards' remark, unconverted men would kill God if they could get at him. According to the Bible, all humans are born in sin. And this sin curse affects every aspect of ethics and morality. So let's first deal with the question, what is sin? What is sin? Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or in nature. So I'm going to describe that to you just a little bit here. So you can do the right thing and still be in sin because your attitude's wrong, right? Or you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude and still be in sin because it's your nature. Therefore, the nature has to change. So sin is ultimately, as the Bible says, falling short of the glory of God. Sin at its core is the contradiction to the holiness of God. Therefore, God hates, must hate, and does hate sin. God will punish or has punished sin. Guaranteed. Psalm 51.5, David says this about his own life. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. The Bible tells us that all humans start enslaved to sin. Romans 6.6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. All of us have willfully rebelled against God and have fallen short of his glory as Romans 3.23 tells us we are dead in our sins, as Ephesians 2.1 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And the Bible tells us that even our best days, our best moments, our best acts in his sight are polluted. Isaiah 64.6, we've all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's the best we can produce in and of ourselves, we are without hope of heaven. 
Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you are at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, no hope, and without God in the world. We all deserve the wrath of God in hell. Romans 2.5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's how holy God is, and that's how serious he takes sin. It's not just the small parts of man that are affected by sin. We don't have sinful parts of us and righteous parts of us. Every part of every human being is affected by sin. It's in our desires, it's in our emotions, it's in our hearts, it's in our goals, it's even in our physical bodies. Paul says in Romans 7, 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. Paul said that. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. In Titus 1.15, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Scripture's pretty clear. It's, it's really pretty clear, and all unbelievers fall into this same boat. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. As sinners, we have absolutely Zero spiritual good in ourselves. As sinners, there is absolutely no ability to please God or even come to God on our own. And it is clearly spelled out in Romans 8.8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Jesus even said in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing. But even if we were to muster up some sort of righteous deed, it would just be like a filthy rag. We spend a lot of time in churches and denominations and Calvinism and Arminianism and we debate these certain topics and certain subjects and we try to conquer things and we try to change things and one of those in particular doctrines that people love to debate is the doctrine of election and free will 
And I've had this talk with many of you, and I enjoy having this talk. I really do, as long as we can dig into Scripture as, as we do it. We would argue, debate, we spend so much time and passion on this topic. But honestly, at the heart of this in particular doctrinal debate, I believe that's not really even the issue. Because you can't come to a right view on the doctrine of election and free will if you don't have a right view about what the Bible says of sin in our state in sin. So, so this debate between uh, election and free will is actually, at its core, a debate on what you believe about total depravity. The sin nature. This doctrine of total depravity is by far the most attacked doctrine because it says apart from God, man can do nothing about his spiritual death. And naturally, men don't like something that gives him no glory. There's really only two religions in this world. There is the religion of divine accomplishment that says Christ did. And then there's the religion of human achievement that can say multiple things. It's either I did or me and Christ did. We don't like the idea that man is dead and blind, and helpless, and hopeless on our own. But the reality is, if the gospel is true, and it is, then man is totally depraved. Remember, a right diagnosis is half the cure. And the diagnosis is sin. And as the Bible describes it, it's not just a little bit of sin. It's a whole lot of sin, and it is total depravity. So like we have the last few weeks in our state, we ask what is happening to our society? What is happening to our neighbors and, and to these businesses and, and to our country? Well, sin is what's wrong here, and it is no new thing. It's total depravity. Why is there murder? Total depravity. Why is our government a mess? Total depravity. Why is homosexuality being praised? Total depravity. Why is transgenderism being made heroic? Total depravity. Why has, and no one's raising a stink about this, the gateway drug been legalized? Because total depravity. Why is pornography rampant? Because total depravity. Why are we selling our women and our children for sex? Because total depravity. It is the nature of the human condition to do what ought not be done. Total depravity. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but at the, at the core of every 
error or false teaching comes a wrong view of human nature. And I did this this week. I went through some of the false doctrines and teachings, and you kind of work them backwards. And when you work them backwards to the beginning, what you start with is a, well, we aren't really that bad. And from that, we get false teachings and doctrines. If you diagnose the disease wrong, then you treat the disease wrong. So if we look at a sin-sick world and, and we say, you know, they're not really that bad, there is some good in there, then we leave out the grand antidote, which is the gospel that cures a sin-sick soul. But when we get it wrong, when it starts with we're not really that bad, you get a do you want to go to heaven when you die gospel and not a repent and confess gospel. Everybody wants to go to heaven when they die. But that's not really the question, is it? The question really is, are you a sinner? And, and I, I love evangelism, and, and, and a lot of you, you do too. And, and you know, we've, we've, we've taught around here so much that in order to get somebody to comprehend the gospel, where do you have to start? You have to start with sin. And I can tell you a hundred times out of a hundred times that I would evangelize to someone, they would say this, well, I'm not that bad of a person. Don't they? So where do you take them? You take them to the law of God. Have you ever murdered somebody? No. Well, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. Have you ever murdered someone? Well, yeah. But you said you're a good person. You ever lied? Yeah. And most people religiously break six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the Ten Commandments every day. But we're mostly good people, right? No. Not at all. But we live in a time, a day and age, where, hmm, Everyone wants to say, let's just make everyone feel better because nobody should feel bad. Right? So we, we, we stroke egos and we give motivational speeches and we, and we really just want to be encouraging because everybody just needs a big hug. Hey, that, I, that is not how I was raised. Uh-uh. Anybody else? My dad never said, come here, you just need a hug. <laughs> never. He said, get over here. <laughs> he sometimes still says that. <laughs> See, we, we, we share the gospel differently with someone when we think they're not that bad. Don't we? We... we we try to woo them with Jesus. We try to woo them with prosperity. Health, wealth, all, all of those things. But when you encounter someone and show them the totality of their depravity, they need Jesus. It goes from, from just a want to a I have to have 
Jesus. And, that, and that's the society, that's the world that, that we are looking face to face with right now, is it not? If I feel that I'm a pretty good person, then I will never see Christ for who he truly is. I will never see the great chasm that divided me from him. Which means my worship will never truly be worship. Because somewhere inside of me, I believe that some of that praise belongs to me. Because I really wasn't that bad to begin with. Listen, listen here. There will be no pause in heaven to applaud anyone for being a savable person. There will be no time out for his glory because you are pretty good. None. Joseph Aline said, God finds nothing in man to turn his heart, but enough to turn his stomach. So enough with the sugar pills and the saline injections. The only hope for those who are totally depraved is the man on the middle cross. We need a spiritual surgeon. We need a heart transplant. And salvation is solely a work of God. Only God can bring dead things back to life. Regeneration is an absolute magnificent miracle that can never be manipulated by man in any way. The only thing we bring to the table in salvation is our sin. Because of the fall, man is unable in himself to believe the gospel. Sinners are dead. Sinners are blind. Sinners are deaf to the things of God. The heart is sinful and corrupt. So the sinner's will is not free. The sinner's will is not free. Scripture tells us that it is in bondage to the evil Nature, things in bondage aren't free. Therefore, on our own, man can never choose good over evil in the spiritual realm. That which binds sinners is supernatural. Therefore, in order to set free, something supernaturally greater must act. One of the greatest lies that has ever entered the mind of mankind is the idea that somehow we could make ourselves good enough to catch the holy eye of God. Thinking that he would save me because I'm not as bad as other people. Look, God don't grade on a curve. So I want to go back to Romans 3 here and Start in verse 9. I just want to walk through this a little bit. Uh, I guess I call this expository preaching. Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. I, this, I mean, you call this uh, simple stupid right here, right? I mean, it, you really don't need interpretation of this verse. It kind of speaks for itself, but we'll, we'll do it anyway. For we have already charged that all... 
both Jews and Greeks are under sin. How many of you in here are Jews? Didn't think so. How many of you in here are Greeks? That's the rest of us. Yeah, it's the rest of us. Um, so this Jews and Greeks includes everyone in the world. And just to prove that this is no new theological stance, uh, no New Testament stance, he quotes from the Old Testament throughout. So he's pretty much saying it's always been this way, folks. As we walk through these next uh, few verses, we'll see that the whole man's inner being is controlled by sin. Would you just take note of this? His mind, his will, and his heart, all controlled by sin. Verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, I, I like, this is, this is how when I read this, no one is righteous, pause, because we got a comma there, right? And so, so we, we think, no one is, oh, but I can think of someone who, and, and then Paul's like, no, not one, right? Because he knows how our brains work. He knows we're going to start thinking, we're going to think well, about this righteous person. So he's saying is we're spiritually depleted, empty, and absolutely void of any spiritual good. None is righteous, no, not one. Well, what about no? Not even her or him. No one. Is that clear? I thought so. Verse 11, no one understands. No one seeks for God. So if no man can seek God, there is only one way for the lost to be found, right? If they can't seek God, then God must seek him, right? Where would some idea like that come from? How about Luke 19:10? For the Son of God, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It doesn't say for the Son of Man came so that men could seek him. No, so that he could seek and save them. Verse 12, the picture just gets darker. All have turned aside. What does all mean? It, I, right, it means the same thing even in, in the verses we don't like, doesn't it? All have turned aside. Together, here we go, we're just, we're just going to massage our egos here. They have become worthless. No one does good. Yeah, but what? No, not even one, right? Same, same thing there, interrupting our thought process. So there you have it, because of man's fall, sin nature in man, we are universally evil, we are spiritually ignorant, we are rebellious, wayward, spiritually useless, and corrupt, and of absolutely no value. Worthless. Hmm. So let's dive into the details of this person. Their throat is an open grave. It's kind of an interesting way of wording something. Uh, but one thing I know about graves is they're meant to be closed, right? Grave is supposed to be closed in an open grave. I 
uh, pretty sure after a while, would begin to smell like death because of that which resides inside of it. And here's the thing. For many of you, these last couple weeks, you finally began to smell the open grave. Right? It says they use their tongues to deceive, meaning the, or the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Notice it doesn't say that they don't know who God is. It just says they don't fear him. They so hate God that they will not even consider his salvation on their own. When they refuse forgiveness through the blood of Christ, when they would rather be cast into hell than repent and be reconciled to God, is that not proof that their heart is desperately wicked? Rejecting such great salvation is the clearest proof of depravity. And this infection, as Romans describes, it's in the feet, it's in the eyes, it's in the stomach, it's in the mouth, it's in the totality of their being. They are depraved. That is the biblical world view of the human race. When we begin to look at people and their decisions through the biblical worldview, doesn't it make a lot more sense? So, then shouldn't we approach our relationships, our jobs, our politics, our schools, and even our own children with this in mind? You mean our children are depraved? Yes. Yeah. This could be a whole nother sermon here, but, you know, the, the church wonders why, why we lose so many kids. Why do kids leave high school, go to college, and we lose them? Because they were never saved. Because we look at little Jimmy, we'll call him, in the church, and he's a good kid, right? And, and his dad's the pastor, and he knows the truth, and, he's, and he makes good, he's, he's got good morals. But do we ever make sure little Jimmy knows Christ? Do we, did we ever make sure that he understood the wretchedness of his sin before the throne of a holy God? What if we raised our kids like they were totally depraved. I mean, like this, this world, and I don't, don't hear me wrong here, uh, don't hear me wrong at all, but we overtreat mental illness because we don't believe in total depravity. 
I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It does exist. It absolutely does exist. I believe that wholeheartedly. But sometimes we give medicine to someone who just needs the gospel. Right? In our kids, we, we just got all these hyperactive kids. Now, what's wrong with our kids? We've stopped preaching the gospel to our kids. It's a sickness or it's a disease instead of it's a sin nature. David said, from my mother's womb, I was depraved. Wouldn't that change things? But as I said, for many people, and I'm a, I observe people, I like to watch how people respond and, and react and carry themselves and uh, decisions they make. I just, I, I like to pay attention to people, and I've seen the last couple of weeks people start to smell the smell of the open grave in this graveyard that we're living in. But honestly, this stench is no new stench. It's been here since the curse fell. It's been here since Genesis 3, and in fact, in Genesis 6, 5, we, we hear a little bit about it. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, not sometimes, not mostly, but only evil sometimes. No, continually. It's pretty specific there. The real question that we have to ask ourselves today is, is there hope? Is there hope? If, if the right diagnosis is half the cure, then what's the other half? Walter Chantry wrote, and I, I love this, any gospel preaching that relies upon an act of the human will for the conversion of sinners has missed the mark. Any sinner who supposes that his will has the strength to do any good accompanying salvation is greatly deluded and far from the kingdom. We are cast back upon the regenerating work of the spirit of the living God to make the tree good. Unless God does something in the sinner, unless God creates a clean heart and renews the right spirit within that man, there is no hope for saving change. Because salvation is a work of God. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cure is Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 1.16 one of my favorite scriptures, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is, not it and something else, but it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes first, the Jew first, and also the Greek. It's through the gospel that the dead are raised. It's through the gospel that stony hearts are turned flesh. It's through the gospel that minds are made new, that wills are surrendered, and that graves are robbed. That's the greatness of the gospel. 
That's the praiseworthiness of our Savior. That's glory in the highest. God sent his son to raise the dead, to grab the worthless and make them his treasure. That's why he deserves all praise and all glory forever. He is the one who rescues. He is the God who saves. And that offer is laid out before each and every one of us today. And if you've already received that offer, then you know that offer needs laid out before the world. And that's the truth of it. I'm probably one of the greatest burdens beside salvation on my heart as a pastor is for people to understand their own depravity. Because when we think and look of ourselves as not really that bad, we rob God of praise and glory. When we don't see ourselves, as the old hymn would sing, as a worm, then we rob God of his glory. Saved a wretch like me. Like a, pa- a pastor even, right? I-, I want people to understand the filth of who we once were. Because when we do, we see the wonder, miracle-working power of God. And we can look into this world and we can find the worst of the worst of the worst and we can get excited because we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ can reach even that low. And it changes things. Not just for us, it changes things for the people around us. You sit at a Thanksgiving table this week around not that bad of people. I say, oh, if they could just love Jesus, they'd be a great Christian. No, if they would just realize their wretched state, then they could know the real Jesus. And then he could do a wonder working power in their life. So that I think that's a burden of, of mine as a pastor, even, even beyond someone being saved, is to understand the state in which you were saved from. Because once you understand that, um, the, the gospel is what fuels you. When, when you. when you see somebody on the street, you don't wonder if they're a Michigan or Ohio State fan. You wonder if they are saved from their sin. You wonder if they're saved from the wrath of God. You want them to have that feeling that you have because you know what it was to be over here and now be over here. And, and that's cool in itself. But imagine, just imagine worship in a church full of people who was once lost, but now they're found, was once blind, but now they see, who understand they were worthless, uh, 
had nothing good on their own, and, and the only good in them now is Christ. Imagine worship in a place like that. Don't you, don't you think God would wink? Don't you think God would move on a people who understood the gift that is salvation instead of a room full of slightly arrogant people that say, I'm not really that bad, but God's good. I don't, I don't think God will go for that. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for your gift of salvation. God, that isn't anything that we could earn, that isn't anything that we could even dream of on our own, but God, that you awaken our spirits, you awaken our mind, you turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh that we might truly see your gospel for what it is. Lord, I pray, I pray for a conviction on the lives of believers uh, through your word today, God, that we understand the state of the world is a sin state. It's not a political state. It's not a moral state. It's a sin state. But that's half the cure. So we can point our fingers and say, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. This world's a sinner. What a mess. God, that doesn't really fix anything until we bring the great antidote that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that says I sent my son to carry to bear that sin upon his shoulders. And if you would repent of that sin and believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you would be saved. God, I thank you for that rescue story. The Christ that comes in to our bondage, to that we couldn't escape from on our own. breaks those chains and sets free and opens prison doors. God, might that be what is upon the lips of your people. And Lord, I want to pray for the sinner. Lord, I know that there's someone in here today who feels the weight of their sin. God, if this message was for just them, God, might that gospel light shine so bright in their heart that they fall to their knees before a holy God and say, I'm a sinner And I know you can rid me of this filth. Take my life and make it yours. God, move in these closing moments. Might this be the day of salvation?
You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message, and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production.